A few corporations that do control food trading globally have been registering vastly, I would say, abnormal profits. These profit records are sometimes times higher than their profitability during stability years. Hello, this is the weekly Tradecast podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're looking at what we pay for our food and what influence big trading companies have on supplies and prices. Food costs have soared due to the pandemic, the war in Ukraine and extreme weather, pushing vulnerable countries and people to the brink. But as many households and businesses struggle, the largest food trading companies are making big profits. UNCTAD's latest trade and development report warns that volatility in commodity markets threatens food security for many millions of people, potentially leading to social and political instability. It also says that fragmented rules for the food trading industry have played a key role in enabling speculation and profiteering. With major companies concentrating their control over our food system, extreme swings in food prices could become the new normal. Well, joining me now is Anastasia Nezvetilova, head of UNCTAD's Macroeconomic and Development Policies branch and author of the new research. Born in Belarus, she's been a university professor in London and has written three books on financial crises. She's also a big fan of classical ballet and an amateur ballerina herself. Well, welcome to the show again, Anastasia. Now, before we get into the whole speculation and profiteering, explain a little bit about how various kinds of food are traded. Who does it and how does it work? Morning, Sarah. Nice to see you. Thank you. It's a big and complex question. One statistics about food could be boring, but just when you have your breakfast with your coffee, you might want to think that on average your coffee traveled about 1,500 miles from the place where it was harvested and grown to your actual cup. The particular coffee beans also went through several intermediating companies, processing hubs, value centers, insurance companies, ship, shipment, retailers, distributors uh, to actually reach the final market. And probably most importantly, they are also at the same time as being a coffee bean, they tend to be a financial product. So most of our commodities today are traded as financial securities in the markets. These markets are private markets. Most of them are so-called OTC, over-the-counter. They're not regulated exchanges. You don't go into Wall Street and ask, where is wheat being traded here? The majority of agricultural commodities are traded in these private over-the-counter deals that are very important for stability. They are crucial for pricing, but they're not controlled or regulated. After lots of turbulence with a series of crises at the moment, what's happening in commodity markets now and why are traders in the spotlight over their profits now? I think the first time spotlight was actually shed onto them was last year, 2022, when energy companies came into limelight for their super profits that they have made post-pandemic, just as the world was recovering and there was new demand in the global economy for energy, commodities, because a lot of 
economies assumed and projected more growth, more investment, more expansion after two years of essentially paralysis or, or lack of trade and shipment. And uh, it was oil and gas companies, but as energy traders that hit the first wave of news uh, wires with their abnormally high profits, sometimes 300%, sometimes 400% above historical averages. There is another, yet another group of commodity traders, and these are food trading corporations that have benefited vastly from the past years of volatility, of price volatility, of market volatility. And they have registered really high profits during these times of uncertainty. It was initially linked to COVID and post-COVID adjustment. It is linked to climate shocks. It is linked to also trade-related measures introduced by a variety of countries to try to control their trading patterns and structures. And that precedes the war in Ukraine. But of course, the war in Ukraine last February provided a, a new type of shock to market predictability to supply and prices peaked between spring and summer last year. Since then, they have come down slightly. But just to reiterate how important the current moment is, wheat prices, for example, are five times higher today than they were before the pandemic. Against all this, a few corporations that do control food trading globally have been registering vastly, I would say, abnormal profits. These profit records are sometimes times higher than uh, their profitability during stability years. For, so, for example, between 2012 and 2019, they do go up dramatically starting in 2020. And this is when volatility really sets in. So against this difference between stable times and volatile times, companies that control food industry are mostly profiting. Millions of people around the world during the times of volatility don't have access to food security. The farmers who produce food are increasingly in danger of being outside of the market, outside of the value chain, or suffering from climate or market shocks. So it's, it's really the asymmetry between the Tell me a bit more about what effect this has on the farmers and the consumers and also the governments. It's not a healthy environment for competition and economic stability. When such strategic industries such as food trading controlled by, we're talking about a handful of companies, they conservatively account for about 70% of the global food industry. Some estimates put it up to 90. So that's just four corporations that control pretty much everything about how food is harvested, processed, shipped, insured, traded, uh, sold to retailers, processed. These corporations are vast. They are organized in a very complex way. Our data shows that some of the giants who control the industry, they actually consist of up to 900 of subsidiaries. These 900 subsidiaries belong to one parent. But each of these 900 is a company in itself controlling a particular niche in the production and value chain. Aside from the corporations, what role does speculation play? Not all speculation, after all, is negative, is it? No, and it's an excellent point. So historically, all farmers wanted to insure themselves against bad stuff. Shocks, uncertainty, bad harvests, bad weather. 
something happening in the, in the neighboring country or along your trading route. And the ability to insure yourself or your harvest or your price of your final crop from that change concerns hedging opportunities. So hedging financial instruments that are available, that were innovated historically, but also during 20th century, these are normal, healthy and necessary elements of financialized food chain or financialist food industry globally today. Indeed, some speculation is also necessary and healthy in the markets. Because let's say if you are a more successful trader and suddenly you have a little bit of cash and you want to take a bet on prices of wheat or orange juice going up, it makes the market more liquid, more efficient, and ultimately brings down prices. This is a good side of, of speculation and a necessary side of financial presence in, in the food industry. But there is also a bad dimension of speculation. This is where institutions or agents, or people, or foundations who have absolutely no relationship to food itself, such as banks, for example, mm. or pension funds, or hedge funds, take financial risks, financial positions in uh, available financial products with a simple uh, and very clear aim of profiting from either loss or damage, a movement of price up or down. They don't really care about the farmers themselves, the longevity or resilience of food chain, what happens to the final market. They just want to bet and they can profit from either side of the movement. What would you say is the crux of the issue? Is it the role that the speculators play or is it these huge corporations? The confusing answer might be is that in our research, they are often one and the same. There is still a lot of financial speculation in financialized food. But now it seems to be done by the incumbent traders. So it's not so much the outsiders who come in, although they're still part of it, but it appears that there is a lot of activity done by the food companies themselves that is related to their financial operations. Some of them make no secret and they publish in their official reports that they use financial derivatives to enhance their margins. And it's important to note that these are corporations who are required to publish their data and activity to, to the public. Not all of them are public. Some of them are private and it's very difficult to get the data on their activities, on the nature of their financial exposure, on what on their accounts, what they do in different countries. The report says the food trading industry is opaque and poorly regulated. What are the rules now and what changes is UNCTA saying need to be made? To answer that question properly, we need to understand that food trading is part of the commodity trading industry. It's one of the most opaque, complex, and then at the same time important and historically globalized sectors in the world economy that connects developing countries to advanced markets, that connects consumers everywhere to, to particular monopolies. So commodities and food, they are regulated at one end. So there is a lot of standards, institutions and rules on, for example, food safety measures. There are some competition provisions and antitrust rules that would regulate the retail side of the food industry. But when you go inside the production chain or inside the value chain of what's going on into your cup of coffee, then you understand that actually all these connections, they are not monitored 
There is no particular institution in the world who would um, assemble information. There is no requirement on data. Data is controlled by the corporations themselves. And national authorities often have very little understanding of what's going on, even with companies who are registered in their jurisdictions. This general idea that this complex and very interconnected industry has become so self-regulating is the problem. It's too risky, what the past two years have shown, but also other crisis experiences before, is that it's a strategically important industry. It's also now not just a food industry. It's an agricultural industry. It's a fertilizer industry. It connects to energy markets. It connects to climate and technologies and copyrights and financial instruments and financial institutions and financial assets. They control so many financial assets that they now act as shadow banks, either to each other or to the industry or within themselves. Ultimately, the political danger is mm. that if you let the industry self-regulate and self-rely, as it transforms into something that you don't know or you don't monitor, ultimately there is a question, who will pay if one of the big institutions gets into trouble? They have systemic repercussions for a variety of stakeholders, the governments, the consumers, other companies, again, those who are involved in production or in financing. These are questions that are hugely important, but there is no easy answer at the moment in, in terms of policy prescription or recommendation. So our recommendation is a threefold, really. One is that the policymakers or the people who decision makers who are in charge of charting the rules need to go back to 2010 financial and commodity regulations and close the loopholes that were left there. And there are quite a few loopholes that allow speculation. They specifically concern uh, some food items or some food commodities. And they're being exploited by financial institutions, by corporations who just want to ride the wave of volatility and, and gain from it. But of course, it can be politically sensitive. And there is quite a bit of resistance from the industry to proceed with that. Then there is a regulation of markets themselves. It's about curbing speculative behaviors in the market and creating incentives for participants, both financial and non-financial, to be committed to the physical representation of the product. If you are taking a bet or if you are entering into a deal on a potential price change of a product, you need to be committed to actually buy or sell this product at the end. It cannot be with complete impunity that you just go into a price discovery and therefore being part of the speculative drive in these markets. Okay. The third part of our recommendation is probably the most serious. It's, it's systemic. And we are calling for the institutions who have the power to do that, who have uh, the technical capacity and who have expertise in regulating, to start thinking of food traders, food trading sector generally, as, as a financial systemically important sector. And to look at some of these companies as financial institutions as well as commercial or manufacturing companies. Well, thank you, Anastasia. That sounds like there's a lot of challenges ahead. That was UNCTAD's Anastasia Nezvetilova, who was this week's guest. Tune in to the weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, unctad.org. 
I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Goodbye for now. <laughs>